when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. I'm going to tell you something. I want to go tell our story. I, I'm tired as hell of turning on ESPN and Sports Center and people getting to pick what the hell they want to say about us. we got a bunch of young guys that came here for a damn reason. I want to tell our story on national television. I'm tired of people talking about us. I want to go tell our story. That's why the hell we're all here. So we can tell our story. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, not much doing good over here. Guess who else is doing a little good here, Shane? Our old buddy, Mr. Mike Gundy. Uh oh, what'd he do? Turns out this old son bitch out here in Oklahoma State, he's a big Donkey Kong fan, Shane. (laughs) Of course he is. You know, anything else you do, the more you do something, you know new video game comes out and the more you play it you're a lot better i mean it's it's really the same thing same concept did you ever play donkey kong yeah I did. yeah like you started on donkey kong you could never get past the the the, the elevator lever way a frog or, or defender but 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 really donkey kong's a better example because you you know you had the barrels and then you had the the uh the the structure and then the third level was the was the uh, elevators and that, that third jump you had to make to get up to get over, it took a while. But after you did it, you know, 50, 60 times, you could make that jump and then you were set. You had a chance to set the high score. The barrels is easy. That's an easy one, you know. Um, that's where you, yeah. but anyway, we'll get off Donkey Kong. Um, Have you been playing Donkey Kong recently? This seems very vivid in your mind. Uh, I do, yes, I do. I'm a closet Donkey Kong guy, so. There used to be a Godfather's Pizza on, um, on, uh, uh, Reno Avenue in Midwest City, and I'd ride my bike up there and uh, play Donkey Kong all the time, set the high score. Can you imagine that kids riding their bikes? Nowadays, nobody rides a bike anywhere. Isn't that amazing? All right, what, let's, let's talk about tech. We're off on all kinds of stuff. Shit. All right, Shane. I mean, I've died for the, some of these SEC coaches to come with some clips like this. At least we got Muschamp kind of doing it now, but uh, I just thought this clip was too good not to share. Oh, Mike Gundy kind of breaking down, and and there was more to this clip, but essentially why he brought it up is he was discussing his quarterback and how he's learned a little bit, but not he's still trying to get to those final stages of progression, <laughs> and who else but Gundy would bring it into Donkey Kong? Golly, Mike, I barely remember Donkey Kong, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, 
we're talking SEC here. If you were to watch a couple of coaches go at it and let's just say Mortal Kombat, you know, <laughs> who who would you want to see? Like, who would be your pairings? Like, I've got one in mind. Obviously, I'd love to see Coach O go against Nick Saban mm-hmm. just because, you know, I think that would be awesome. And Coach O trying to figure out those super secret passwords there at the end as he's doing the fatality, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Getting frustrated, snapping the remote in half. Uh, who, Who's some other coaches you'd like to see? Well, I'm trying to think of the recruit, Shane. I think it was Quivaris Crouch who signed with Tennessee, obviously, freshman linebacker. And he talked about la- this time last year playing Madden with Jeremy Pruitt over the, oh. uh, you know, the, the speaker sets and the controllers. Now, I'm not trying to say Pruitt pulled a fast one, but I could certainly see <laughs> one of them GAs playing the game and just Pruitt talking. I could see that. Uh, so Pruitt might have a little background. How about this one, Shane? You know, Chad Morris, he's hip and cool, and he does the oh, social yeah. medias. You know he's playing these games to try to keep up with the recruits. And then I got one uh, one you may not be thinking of, but I bet, uh, not that he's a video game junkie, I wouldn't imagine, but I bet he's got some experience playing it. And I think that's old Derek Mason. Hmm. I was thinking Joe Moorhead, you know, because he's made video game references, you know. Oh, yeah, that's another good yeah. one. Yeah, I, and I think you're right on Pruitt. You know, I could just see him, and, and it's one of those Xbox controllers that's got the cord, so he's got to sit, like, really close to this GA, <laughs> and he got the headset on, and he's so frustrated during this game, you know. He's like, can we do three-minute quarters, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't run his own Twitter account, so I, I doubt he's playing Mad Mike. <laughs> Well, Shane, you hit on one other thing I wanted to touch on just briefly here, but I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but according to uh, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and also Penn Live, so we got two different outlets reporting this, but apparently Joe Moorhead being targeted among many candidates, not he, it's not to say neither one of them is saying Joe Moorhead's candidate number one, but apparently Rutgers considering Joe Moorhead for that job and I, I just want to caution people when you start seeing stuff like this because there's agents involved, there's schools just trying to generate interest. Uh, there's stories out there that uh, Greg Schiano, this is the reason he backed away from the New England Patriots because he knew this job was going to be open. So be careful what you read because I don't see in any world, I know Joe Moorhead's a Northeastern guy, but I just for the life of me could not see him leaving Mississippi State for Rutgers. Um, what's your first reaction to that? Well, if that's the case, then Saban should be in Green Bay and coach, (laughs) uh, you know, Muschamp, not Muschamp, but, uh, oh, Gus should be up there in Arkansas right now. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're floating these names out there. And a lot of times it's to, uh, get a better deal on their current contract. Right. And I, I think for me, what this says is someone like Butch Jones or Shiano, I think they are realistic candidates for Rutgers. But mm-hmm. when you throw these names out there, you know, maybe these coaches are Shiano and Butch Jones I'm talking about here. Maybe they're saying, you know, we want $4 million deal. And then right. you, when you throw out these other guys, they're like, all right, all right, I'll take $3 million. You know, <laughs> you know so something like that. So yeah. I think that's more than, than anything because Joe Moorhead leaving Mississippi State for Rutgers makes just no sense to me. Absolutely. All right, Shane, final thing here before we go around the league uh, the SEC announced the Week 7 kickoff times. That's something they do every Monday, so I wanted to break this down with you. And the Week 7, obviously we're still in Week 6, so they do this a week in advance. 
Uh, but uh, after week five and week six slates, not that great. Man, the week seven, this schedule is incredible. This is going to be a really good one here, Shane. We'll start with the new games like we always do. Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Mississippi State, Shane, at Tennessee on SEC Network. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> This is a record, Mike. I don't think we've had this many noon games ever. South Carolina at Georgia, another nooner on ESPN. And then how about this, Shannon? This is somewhat controversial. I know Gator fans are pretty pissed off about this, but Alabama at Texas A&M, that's going to be the 3.30 CBS kick, 2.30 Central kick. And then we got some non we got a non-conference game here, UNLV at Vanderbilt. That's going to be the four o'clock on SEC Network. Ole Miss at Missouri, seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN two. Arkansas at Kentucky, seven thirty Eastern on SEC Network. And here's why the Gator fans are a little bit upset. Shane, Florida at LSU, eight o'clock Eastern on ESPN in Death Valley. That's going to be the big game there. And I don't think Florida wants any part of playing uh, late night in LSU. <laughs> no, I'd say not. Uh, I, I want to go back. Did you say South Carolina and Georgia are at noon? Yeah, that's another weird one, isn't it? Yeah, dang, that's that's ridiculous. And then you got Arkansas. Nothing against Arkansas. Enjoyed the game last week. But I really think we should have flip-flopped those bad boys. Mm-hmm. Well, I think not that it would be going head-to-head, but uh, I think what really it probably came down to, Shane, was – ESPN night game did they want Florida LSU or did they want South Carolina Georgia and I think that's an easy bet yeah there's a stipulation I believe in the CBS contract so anytime they have they get the first pick obviously so they went with Alabama versus Texas A&M and you are not really supposed to have another SEC game up against that CBS one so that's why you get UNLV Vanderbilt at four so CBS wants all eyes on their game. And yeah. then um, I guess really so. Well, I mean, I mean, think about it. I, do you really – okay, maybe I'm just – I'm getting too carried away with the Texas A&M talk. But I, I, I would – I think the – at this moment, mm-hmm. you know, this is just a, a Tuesday, you know. I, I think the Florida – the Florida LSU game is obviously going to be the toughest battle that Saturday, the closest one. Right. Um, you know, so kind of surprised they didn't go with that at the three thirty. Mm-hmm. And not saying that Texas A and M Alabama won't be close, but just what I've seen so far this year, I think I would have pushed them early and made Georgia South Carolina later. Mm-hmm. No, I feel you, Shane. But all, you also got to keep in mind you can only feature a team on the CBS game so many times. LSU's got – now, yeah, not true. not saying I wouldn't have picked this Florida game, but they got Auburn coming up in a couple weeks. They got the Alabama game. That's obviously going to be one they pick. Uh, they got Texas A&M. So there's, there's quite a few. But uh, And I know LSU, they hate those day games. So they they win this round, I think. But mm. uh, Oh, yeah. Mississippi State, Tennessee, a neuter shade. I think uh, how you feel about your balls kicking off there. Dude, we're used to it, baby. You know, <laughs> I mean, these guys, they don't stay up late anymore, you know, because they know they got to get up so early to play football games. So I, I commend Butch or Butch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I commend Butch for putting in this situation, but Pruitt for, uh, you know, I, you never know. I mean, these noon games, if you're a down team, this is, this is the time slot you want to be in, but I, I just hate it for the fans 
because when you know you go to a noon game, that's early, dude. You got you got to get up, and, and if you're going to do any type of tailgating, I mean, the nice thing is you do have the rest of the evening to watch Florida LSU, you know, mm-hmm. or LSU and uh, whoever it is who's playing. Yeah, it's Florida and LSU, right? Yes, sir, in Death Valley. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a good like game last year, I guess. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I don't know. Touchy subject, Mark. Carry on. All right, Shades, you ready to go around the league? Because if we come back and we <laughs> bounce Georgia, then you know what? CBS is going to be wishing they had us at 3.30. But, <laughs> you know, joke's on them, eggs on their face, Mike. Yeah, I'm ready to go around the league. Let's do it. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! Well, Shane, before we get rolling here, I just want to give a special shout-out to Nashville band Crimson Calamity. They gave us the new tracks for the Around the League segment because uh, apparently we can't have House of the Rising Sun and be on YouTube. So anyone uh, wondering why we mix it up there, Shane, with another great edit there. But just wanted to give that a a special shout out there. Uh, But let's start here in Auburn, Shane. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn met with the media uh, recently here. This is the big game of the week, Auburn at Florida. All eyes on this matchup. We hit on it on the last podcast that this line opened as a pick 'em, and Auburn's already a three-point favorite, so it's pretty interesting that it shifted that quickly. Uh, but uh, both teams going in this one undefeated, and the matchup here, Shane, that is probably going to determine this one, Auburn's offense against this Florida defense on the road. You know, these defenses always a little bit better at home. So Florida... You know, I would say they're struggling this year. They just shut out a team. They just shut out Towson. They looked great against Tennessee, too. But I think it's going to be the defense that has to carry him. And that's kind of something that uh, Gus Malzahn hit on here during his recent presser, just on the fact that the Auburn offense is coming together. And I really thought that his comments on, you know, when things are going right, that's kind of when you got to coach your team up the most. That was pretty interesting to me. And finally, he talked about once again facing Dan Mullen. And this is, believe it or not, Shane, this is Malzahn's first ever trip to the Swamp. You know, I think there is something to be said for that. You know, with our freshman quarterback, getting a feel for him, we're learning him every time he's out and he's feeling more comfortable. And then we finally have all the pieces of the puzzle on the field. We hadn't had that until last week. And so now, you know, we can start getting some consistency. Um, especially in practice, you know, our quarterback hadn't had time to develop the timing that you really need. So we're kind of doing that as the season goes. So uh, now that we are the pieces of the puzzle, it really gives you more flexibility to call what you want to call. Yeah, you know, the, the challenge is when things are going good, you can't let up. You can't let up. We just talked about it. You can't let up. You got to put the hammer down even more. Uh, you got to expect more out of yourself. You got to 
try to be perfect on the practice field. Don't be satisfied with just good. So really, that's that's really the message, and you know, and our guys are buying into it. And you know, we need to have another really good week of practice. And last last week, I thought we had a good week of practice, not a great week of practice, but we need to get to a point where we have great weeks of practice. So we still got some work to do, but um, you know, the goal is to improve each day and each week. I got a lot of respect for Dan. I mean, he's he's one of the best coaches in our league, and you know, he always has a good plan and. Uh, his teams are always, you know, tough to prepare for, and they're going to be prepared, so it ought to be a good one. Yeah, yeah, and it was here. You know, it was here, and uh, this will be my first time to ever go to Florida. And I've been every other place in our league but Florida. So uh, this will be a first, and looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, that is that is pretty unique. All right, Shane, so Gus Malzahn, no stranger to facing Dan Mullen. Anytime these two get together, I – in my head, it automatically goes to an Auburn versus Mississippi State game, obviously, but this is a different yeah. setting altogether. Gus is uh, three and two against Dan Mullen lifetime, so you know Mullen would like to even that series up. Uh, but uh, what about these comments here, Shane, on the fact that Auburn riding high right now? A lot of people, there's some people saying, myself included, that this could be the best team in the SEC right now. Uh, but uh, on the difficulty of getting your guys. I don't want to say motivated because clearly they're motivated, but you just don't want them reading their press clippings, I guess you could say, going into such a hostile environment here on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think a lot of that is on the shoulders of the freshman quarterback, Bo Nix. And I-, I think that you want this kid to be prepared for adversity because it's going to happen at some point during the season. And he's going to have to be able to react because if he thinks everything's just – you know, butterflies and whatever's, you know, if, if something bad happens and he cannot bounce back, then they're behind the eight ball because, you know, a lot of this offense is focused so much on Bo Nix. And, and one thing about Gus is if you, I mean, if you followed Gus at all, his, his, his coaching record is like a seesaw, man. Mm-hmm. There's there's ups, there's downs, and this is something he deals with. He's dealt with in the past. I mean, think about beating Alabama and then losing the SEC championship against Georgia, which they thought they were a, a, a clear cut favorite to get into the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. so this is something he's dealt with in the past, and he he's learned. Hopefully, he's learned from his mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, that's the challenge moving forward. That's the, like you said, kind of just the, there's just highs and lows and there's nothing in between. So you kind of, you never really get what you're expecting from Auburn now that they're the favorite going on the road. uh, You know, let's not disrespect Florida here. They've not played well, but they got the same record as as Auburn. I mean, they have the same path to the college football playoff right now as Auburn, and they've got a chance to I mean, I think if Florida wins on Saturday, they probably have the best win in the SEC this season by beating Auburn. So that's another way to look at it, and then they'll validate all their rankings if they can get this done. Uh, and that's the tal- the challenge this week in Gainesville. So let's jump on over to Dan Mullen, what he had to say here on Monday, Shane. Uh, where he met with the media, and of course he was asked about Auburn. <laughs> Very much, very much different than the Tennessee week, where 
They didn't even get around to asking him about the Vols. This this one was all about <laughs> Auburn, as you'd expect. And he was asked about, uh, you know, he's going to be matching wits with uh, the defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele. So that was on his mind. On uh, Auburn's outstanding defensive line, kind of like what makes them so good. And uh, I thought his comments here on Gus Malzahn were also pretty interesting. Dan, what, what do you see out of a Kevin Steele defense? You've, you've gone up against him a few times. Really? I mean, they're, they're always very, very sound uh, in what they do. They're going to be very aggressive. Uh, you know, when, when you look at this defense, he'll play to his strengths. Uh, you know, he's a good enough coach to be able to play to his strengths and put guys in position to be successful. And they have, you know, they have a they, – they probably got three guys that could have been high draft picks last year that came back. You know, and it shows a lot about their program and where they're at. You know, we, we had guys leave. They have guys that came back that probably would have been drafted ahead of where our guys got drafted that left early. Um, you know, so they have some talent, especially up front on the defensive front. And, uh, um, you know, they can cause problems, and they're disruptive that way. You know, and then they're, they're aggressive, play a lot of man-to-man coverage. Uh, they're going to be aggressive and come after you. So to follow up on that, what is uh, so impressive about the defensive line, which is you know, arguably one of the best in the country? Well, yeah, I mean, the talent. I mean, they have talent and depth, like I said. I mean, they have guys that could have been high draft picks last year to decided to come back for their senior year. And so, you know, they're, they're, they, they're not lacking in the, the talent and the depth department to do this. And so, um, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for him, you know, as a coach and a person. I, I mean, I'm, I, I like Gus a lot. Have you guys ever sat down and just kind of talked football? And uh, Yeah, back long, long, long time ago, right, when I was an assistant coach and he was coaching in high school. They came out here. He came out here and visited us when he was uh, coaching. In, in, huh? Uh, yeah, so it would have been 05. It would have been 05. He came here in 05. I think I went out to see him. Uh had Mitch Mustaine playing quarterback, and I, I was recruiting, so I remember going out there and getting to sit down with him and talk ball while I was out there as well. All right, Shane, so Dan Mullen kind of like Gus Malzahn. They've got a lot of respect for each other. I had no idea this relationship went this far back. Obviously, we know about their battles there in the SEC West, uh, but how about this? I mean, this is going to be – I talked about Auburn's offense against this Florida defense being key, but the other – Huge aspect of this game is going to be the Florida offensive line against this Auburn defensive line that's just been dominant this season. How big will uh, this this matchup be to determining the outcome of this one? Dude, that's I think that's where this game gets decided is in, is in the trenches, and I hope for Florida's sake that they they establish, they find some sort of running game. And we talked a little bit about this. X factor with Emory, and I think he does come in on certain packages and keeps Auburn honest. But uh, you know, you can the worst thing you can do in a game like this is become one dimensional. So yeah, I think this thing comes down to the trenches. And as far as the coaches' relationships, isn't it kind of funny? I mean, the, just how small that bubble is. You know, I saw a picture that came out last week, and it was a uh, Must Champ and Kirby on the sideline at some high school game, and just you know. Just cutting up like buddies, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in your mind, you want them. You you like, man. I want them to hate each other, but you know, they're people too. <laughs> they're just sitting there, and there's. I'd love to be a fly on the wall when those two are talking. Yeah, and I think this just goes to the SEC. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, when someone like Joe Moorhead gets hired, who's got no connections to it, 
everyone just comes out and says, well, what in the hell? Can this guy recruit? Can he coach? Like, you don't know anything about the SEC. Uh, so right. it really is a fraternity of, you know, who you know. And uh, all these coaches now have basically crisscrossed with each other, and they all have previous relationships. And it's just pretty wild how it how it all works out in the end. Yeah, for sure. And that uh, goes right to the heart of our next matchup here, Shane. Let's jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! <laughs> Where old Kirby Smart previewed the trip to Tennessee coming up here. Obviously, the Bulldogs are a huge favorite in this matchup. But again, I mean, a lot of Tennessee's staff has worked at Georgia. Uh, some of the Georgia staff has worked at Tennessee. Hell, Shane, they even have players that have flip-flopped sides. For both sides, uh, Eli Wolf going to Georgia from Tennessee and D'Angelo Gibbs going from Georgia to Tennessee. We got Jim Cheney <laughs> jumping from Georgia to Tennessee. And now we got, uh, of course, Cade May, Shane, longtime Tennessee, commit returning to Knoxville for the first time. Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart was asked about uh, Cade Maids coming back home and keeping his emotions in check on facing Jim Cheney for the first time since he left. And I thought this was kind of interesting, Shane, on where Kirby has seen Tennessee improve this season. Hey, Coach, Cade Mays seems to play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder no matter who he's playing. Are you going to talk to him at all about sort of his homecoming back to Knoxville and maybe control some of those emotions if needed? Well, he had that last year, you know. I mean, it's I know it wasn't there, but it was the same emotions, I think, that he played with. Um, obviously, when your father plays for that school and you grow up in that town, there's a lot of emotions there. But... Kate's played in a lot of big games. Kate's played a lot of snaps, a lot of positions. I think Kate understands that he can't let the emotion get the best of him. He knows a lot of these guys on their team and um, kind of was around a lot of them. But Kate's got good control. He's got good self-control, and he understands what he can and can't do. And he'll play hard just like they'll play hard against him. Kirby, you knew that you all would go up against uh, Cheney and that offense um, you know, once a year when, when he took that job. What do you think the dynamic will be in terms of how well you, you guys know each other uh, through practices? I think there's a lot more to it in you guys' stories than there is in real life. It's going to boil down to which guy blocks properly, which guy covers properly. There's no like secrets. I mean, we know what they do. They know what we do. But that's the case every week. We get, that's what the tape's for. So there's a lot of familiarity there. And um, at the end of the day, the players got to go out and execute. They gotta, they've got to play with a passion and energy and enthusiasm to beat the guy across from them and not make it about what our defensive coordinator calls or what their offensive coordinator calls. I just don't think that matters a whole lot. I think at the end of the day, it's blocking, tackling, turnovers, explosive plays, executing and doing it with with a lot of passion. Jeremy said last week that he thinks his team is 100 times better than it was a year ago, just saying that turnovers and their inability on fourth down so far has cost them a lot of possessions. When you study them on tape, where have you seen this Tennessee team improve compared to a year ago their depth their physicality you know they were uh, they were thinner at some positions last year um they've got more guys they're rolling and playing more guys uh, they're playing really hard and they play really physical you look at the games they've played this year um they've had some self-inflicted wounds otherwise they're winning or in those games and uh you know the way they're coaching and the way they're demanding they've got a good staff they're going to push these kids and they're getting them better. They've had a whole week to get better and improve. And um, I think it shows on tape when you watch them 
how hard they play, that they're on the brink of something special. And you can tell these guys are playing hard. And they're playing with a lot of young guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that were recruited uh, last year in a lot of situations. <laughs> All right, Shane. So a lot going on here, but a lot of familiarity on, you know, like I said, the coaching, the players, and then, hell, Shane, even uh, old, you know, Jeremy Pruitt spent some time here at Georgia. So a lot to unpack here on what Kirby had to say, but uh, what do these comments really uh, stand out to you? Somebody's doing a hell of a job buttering me up, Mike. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I try to be optimistic about my volunteers, but, man, I'd love to have his perspective because uh, I think that we'd have a juggernaut, you know, playoff-bound team if you've listened to Kirby long enough. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we got problems. We know that. But the thing about Georgia is we do play them tough. I mean, you know, you can look easily look at last year and say, oh, my God, they blew them out of the water. But you could also go back to the, the Hail Mary. You could go back to the uh, the, 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 the game where uh, Pig Howard fumbled the ball through the end zone. I mean, these were all games we were expected to lose anyway. And we played Georgia tough, you know. Nick Chubb came. Remember the game where uh, Georgia clearly had the better team, but Tennessee had, I believe they had the lead in the fourth quarter. It was the last year of Todd Gurley. And mm-hmm. then he just went damn beast mode in the fourth quarter. And, and yeah. I think Georgia won by two touchdowns, but it was only because that dude had about 200 yards in the fourth quarter. That's the thing. A lot of these guys know each other. There's a lot. I mean, you look at, you've mentioned it. You look at Georgia, you see people like Cade Mays and Wolf down there, you know. I mean, hell, they were, they were, Wolf was at Tennessee, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there's there's a lot of things. There's a lot of kids know each other. A lot of them played high school together. I mean, it's a, it's a ground where we like to recruit out of. So, uh, it's, it's a different type of ball game. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that we're on the brink you know, I think we're getting close to it. I think that, you know, we're still extremely young when you see these this freshmen out here, these sophomores out here. We've got some we've got some growing pains yet to go. But, you know, I, I think too Georgia is uh Georgia's a beast right now. And and for us to overlook or think that we can hang in there right now, uh, I hope we can. You know, but I'm not. I'm nowhere near as optimistic as Kirby is. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, flip over to the other side of this matchup, Shane. Let's go to Tennessee. Well, Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here on Monday. He got a little fiery in this one, uh, particularly when he was asked about the quarterback situation. And you know, he was pretty honest last week, saying Garantano, Meyer, and Trout all going to take equal reps. He was asked where that stands going into this week. He, his answer was pretty comical here. He was also asked about Jim Chaney and Chaney's knowledge of Georgia and Georgia's knowledge of Jim Chaney. And uh, this final clip, Shane, I thought this was interesting because, remember, Kirby Smart, you know, he's done, a, he's done some big things there in Georgia, and he did it pretty quick. But a lot of people, particularly in Athens, they credit Jeremy Pruitt for kind of laying the groundwork Kirby Smart kind of came in there and took over. And Pruitt didn't mention himself here, but I think uh, he kind of did 
without mentioning his name. I don't know. I'll we'll see what your thoughts on it. You had said last week you were giving equal reps to all your scholarship quarterbacks. Just what's the state of that competition at this point? Have you decided on a starter? And what's the possibility of maybe playing multiple guys at that spot? You know, Steve, we're not going to give Georgia a scout report of what we're going to do this week. So um, we're going to rep the guys that we feel like gives us the best opportunity to have success. Coach, when you have an offensive coordinator like Jim Chaney, who's so fresh being from Georgia, how, how do you balance using his knowledge of that and then the, and going against the knowledge that Georgia may have of him? You know, it probably works both ways. You're right. Uh, you know, with our staffs, uh, we've all coached together over the years. So whether it's offensively or defensively, we probably know uh, some of the checks that uh, each team's accustomed to. Uh, but at the end of the day, it comes down to blocking, tackling, executing, uh, taking care of the football. Um, so, you know, we're, fam we're familiar with them. They're familiar with us. So it'll, it'll be about the, the details and intangibles of the plays. Jeremy, uh, how do you think Kirby was able to maybe so quickly uh, establish Georgia into what it's become under him? And, and beyond scheme, is there anything maybe you try to emulate uh, from what, what he does? Well, I think the program that he took over won 20 games the previous two years. That helped. Uh, he had a very young football team that he inherited, uh, you know, and um, he's done a very nice job. He's put a really good staff together. It's a place that you can have success. Uh, you know, those guys were used to winning, and now he's kind of recruited in his fourth year. All those guys are – that he has there, he's recruited in there, and they've done a nice job evaluating talent and going getting some of the best players in the country and coaching them up. Um, you know, they're in this day and time, you need to be good at the quarterback position, and he's got a really good player there. Uh, last year, they had two really good players there. Coach, you mentioned that, that, that Kirby Smart inherited a program that knew how to win. I think last week you talked about making sure guys weren't comfortable with losing. How do you teach a team and a program how to win? Creating the right habits every day. Uh, you know, you look at – I had an opportunity just to watch some games on Saturday. Um, you know, it's, it's – to start with, the first thing I talked about there is just the ball. You know, it's amazing the team that, that doesn't turn the ball over, how, how much their percentages go up, uh, have an opportunity to win. Uh, teams that get a lot of turnovers, same thing. Uh, but it's just creating the right habits and the details and being able to do it over and over and over, whether you're playing at home, whether you're playing away, whether you're a little bit sore, you're a little bit tired, maybe you're a little bit hurt, um, and, and creating depth uh, and having a team that can do it. So if one guy goes down, the next guy can come in and play winning football. Um, to me, that's what you see, the teams that are playing the best in college football right now. That's what they're doing. All right, Shane. So this is uh, about as fiery as you're going to get from Jeremy Pruitt these days. And uh, he did not seem to appreciate some of these questions. Let me just go ahead and tell you my lock of the week, Mike. You know, <laughs> I mean, I can go ahead and do that. But I'm going to wait till Friday because I don't want everybody to know just yet. So, <laughs> oh, man, some of these damn questions they get, it, it drives me nuts. Uh, I, I was hoping one day, you know, it'd be awesome, Mike is if instead of the quarterback cams, they had the coach's parents cam, you know? Just <laughs> there's, there's a Pruitt's dad, look at him, you know? 
I don't know. I just had that thought, but something he said that I, I that resonated with me is, you know, when you leave a university, let's let's say Cheney, I, I, you know, he he knows a lot of the players that are on this team. He knows a lot of their tendencies. He knows some of their weaknesses. But yeah, this is college football, man. It's Division one college football. There is a lot that changes in one year. I mean, hell, there's a lot that changes week to week. Mm-hmm. So to to think that you just have this super advantage point, you you really don't, man. I mean, this is a totally different offense than it was last year, and uh, they've got totally different play calling. So um, you can't get you can't get sucked into that and thinking that we've got some sort of advantage. You got the same advantage you can you can get from watching tape. Mm-hmm. Now, Shay, one other thing I thought this was kind of funny, but uh, Pruitt was also asked. He had a similar reaction to you did, but his was a little bit more politically correct when he was asked about the Georgia fans, you know, threatening to checker kneeling red and black here um and you know i i have a hard time believing that that what that other question you asked me would happen all right shane so (laughs) pruitt's got confidence in the in tennessee fans to show up not allow this to happen and you know tell me if i'm wrong here shane but if anything i think georgia fans kind of making a mistake doing this i think if anything this is going to just inspire inspire some Tennessee fans to show up and make sure that damn Georgia fans don't get their tickets. Yeah. And players, man, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just the, uh, you don't think that coach Pruitt's reminding these boys that that's where this university's at right now, that opposing team's going to come inside Neyland and attempt to checker Neyland with their colors. I mean, this is just, uh, you're adding fuel to the game and sometimes it's best when you just let sleeping dogs lie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. So, I mean, hopefully they make a game of it because these damn games, when they're blowouts, are, they're just not that fun to, to watch. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? Mm. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> wouldn't that be something, dude? Oh, man, I do a mercy broadcast early, man. I do it all night long. Kirby's buttering us up both up, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, I'm just keep. I'm gonna keep listening to Kirby on repeat here on loop. You know. <laughs> All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where old Cocho met with the media here on Monday to preview the matchup against Utah State. Obviously, we won't take a much of a deep dive on uh, the Aggies. I think they're called. Uh, but Cocho, he get he dropped some info here on uh, Ed Ingram, their lineman they just got back. Calavon Chasson, the latest with him, and uh, I thought. Uh, this was kind of interesting. On, uh, I did not realize this stat, but LSU's 27 for 27 going into the red zone and scoring. So, I mean, that's an unbelievable stat. Uh, so he talks about that. And then finally on how the Tigers spent their off week improving that defense. Ed, what did you see from uh, Ed Ingram in his first padded practice back? And uh, what do you kind of want to see from him this week? He was very physical. He was in good shape, still has some conditioning, some football conditioning left to do. Uh, I don't know if he's ready to go 60 or 80 plays without a break. I wouldn't say that. Normally he would be. Uh, we're going to see how he does this week, but it was good to have him back. Ed, what's uh, Caleb on status coming off of bye week, and has yeah. he kind of been able to do any contact stuff yet? Yeah, he's still a little gimpy. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not 100% back yet. He tried to practice last week. He did a couple of things. He's going to practice again today, but he's limited. Uh, we're going to see where we can get with him this week. We definitely need him for the pass rush 
And if he's healthy, we're going to play him. But I don't know if he's going to be ready. Uh, Ed, down here, sorry. Um, the offense, you know, right now, 27 for 27 in the red zone. The touchdown percentage is way up from last year. What is it about this offensive scheme that makes it so effective when the field gets short like that? You know, we talked about it today. Uh, there's no secret why we're successful in the red zone. First of all, we have great coaching. And uh, those guys prepare night and day for it. And then we practice it the right way. I do believe when you practice something, you coach it well, when you have great players, you're going to have success. Uh, we practice red zone on Mondays. We practice red zone on Thursdays. We practice red zone on Fridays. And we practice red zone on Saturday mornings. And our guys know exactly what to do against the coverage that they're seeing. So I think a combination of having great coaching, great players, and great practice plans, that's what you're seeing. Hey, Coach, right here in the middle. <clears throat> uh, when teams have an open date, a lot of times you hear the term self-study. Yeah. Looking at maybe how you've been predictable, how mm -hmm. you could maybe disguise things better. Right. Did some of that go on on both sides and specifically yeah. with defense and getting pressure yeah. on opposing yes. quarterbacks? no question. It went on, and what we found is, first of all, the way we're running the ball, what we're running, how we want to run it, how we want to practice it. That was the big thing on offense. On defense, it was about tackling and causing turnovers. And more or less, not the actual tackle, which is important, but the approach. How was our footwork? Where was our weight distributed? Where was our eyes? What was our angles? And we practiced that all week. And we also practiced a lot on punt return, on being able to give our returners some room. Uh, we practiced different stuff on our punt return. So those are the things that we found last week that we could be a lot better at. All right, Shay, so Coach O's feeling good about his squad's 4-0 heading into this uh, Utah State game. Final tune-up here before they get the Gators. Uh, but uh, LSU, for all the you know praise we've been getting them on offense, they need to get this uh, this defense going here. Yeah, I agree. And – I, I and I don't want to I don't want to punish the defense because when you're on the field majority time of the game it's it's hard to keep the numbers like LSU's been able to. I mean, you got to remember this is this was a run happy offense last year and when you had that in those long sustaining drives, the defense got plenty of rest and they're not able to do that now because they're scoring in three or four plays. So, mm -hmm. you know, you got you got to keep that in mind when you're watching this team. This team is deep, which really helps them out. Uh, it was good, uh, Ed, getting back. Of course, I told you old Big Ed would, wouldn't be ready, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's one thing you got one of these little wide receivers, you know, that took a few days off. But, you know, these big linemen, you know, I'm there. I'm a big guy, and if you give me a few days off, there's a good chance I'm going to overeat a little bit. So <laughs> I'm not going to be able to run at 40 when I get back in, but I'll get there eventually. <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting to see how LSU handles this chess on injury because they really need him to go be available for this Florida game. I don't know if you even want him on the field against Utah State if he's banged up like Coach O was saying here. Yeah. Uh, you know, you really got to – their, their pass rush is basically non-existent without this guy. So, you know, you need him, but you you just you need him more for Florida than you do to Utah State, hopefully. Absolutely. All right, Shay, so that's all the updates I have this uh, on this episode because we got so many teams on a bye. Arkansas's on a bye. Uh, A&M's on a bye. Kentucky's on a bye. Uh, Matt Luke did speak, but we're waiting for Derek Mason, so we'll get to that matchup next time. Uh, but uh, do you got anything else before we hop off here? 
Uh, no, I appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us. Uh, uh, the ratings review really do help us out. We're on YouTube now, man. Like you mentioned earlier, we got to, you know, we had to take my favorite song, one of my favorite songs off. I hated to do that. Now I know how Joe Rogan feels. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, the ratings review really help us out. We're going to read some of those tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Yeah, like you like you said, we're also on Twitter, Reddit. We're on all the social medias. Give us a follow and a like all our stuff on there. That's uh, that goes a long ways, and uh, those rating and reviews really do help. So you made it this far. If you just take that final step, we'd really appreciate that. Well, that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thank you for joining me as always. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And we'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Give me a rock and I was ready to roll On to California with the guy named Joe Cause he makes Benjamin's rain from the sky